This is the Penalty Office Music Business 101 podcast series. I'm Neil Levine. And I'm Warren Schatz. We'll be having conversations about everything from old school music business to the current state of the business. Everything from hip-hop to pop. We'll have lots of guests and go pretty deep. So, Big Reg, let's talk about East Coast, West Coast, the beef that happened during the the 90s and with the passing of Biggie and Tupac. Can you kind of give the audience what you know about it and um, just kind of history lesson here? I want to know who killed Notorious B.I.G. and who killed Tupac? Everybody want to know that. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows. Well, you asked me what I want to know, or you have anything that we don't know that hasn't come out that you want, you know, I mean, this is going to be public, so, I, you know, yeah. whatever you're comfortable talking about. Some of the West Coast, East Coast thing, you know, was, uh, the dog pound kind okay, of. At, at the time, basically, Jeff Rowe was almost dismantled when Biggie got killed. When Pac got killed, I, I was still in jail. I was on a violation. When Biggie got killed, I was supposed to go to the Peters, go do what I do up there, have some fun, whatever. My son, Kerry, he had an asthma attack. So we was at Cedars. So while we're at Cedars, like if you know anything about Cedars, like I parked, parked in the emergency park. That's right in front of the door. And it's like a 15-minute parking zone, whatever. So I parked there. We check him in, we waiting for the doctor to come out. And at the same time, we're looking, you know, at the show, you know, showing, you know, breaking news, whatever. It was on TV saying how it was, you know, everybody was there just showing pictures. All of a sudden, the, over the intercom, they kept saying, I, I go to the restroom. That's what happened. I go to the restroom, I come out. And they, and they over the intercom, they say, uh, whose car is that? That I get lights to that's all shit. That's mine. I said, can you please move it? So I go out to my car. I'm going to a car. A car drives up and they say, Reg. And I look and they say, is he dead? I said, what the fuck are you talking about? Is he dead? They said, never mind. They drive off. So I park my car and I'll come back in the uh, whole, you know, back into the lobby. Kavita's yelling like, they kill Biggie, they kill Biggie, they kill Biggie. Wow. I said, what? And I'm looking at it within about seven minutes of that, everybody's falling into the lobby. And I'm saying, what happened? They said, you know, Inga, you know, Foxy, you know, oh, they killed Biggie. Blah, 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 blah. Who killed Biggie? Who killed Biggie? So, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. I said, well, damn, what happened? So it had to be three days later. That's when they showed some, some a car. And I saw the car. They said, yeah, we're looking for this car and whatever, whatever, whatever. So my mind said, oh, my God. It's been in my mind, you know, but, you know, I never say it ain't my business. You know, that's how, you know, look at it. You know, that's whatever happened. You know, I just didn't know what happened, so I wasn't going to speculate. In 2006, I'm at Centinella Prison. Two detectives come up there. So the detectives, they say, Turner, you got a visit. I say, ain't no fucking visits on Tuesdays. So I said, oh, man, here goes some bullshit. And I'm thinking, like, you know, I got another charge, an ad charge or some shit. So I go in there, it's two detectives. So they introduced themselves. I said, well, what's up? If you let us know, it's exact words. And you call them sitting up prison, they give you the information that, that I had two visitors. If you let us know who was in the car, we'll give you 50000 and we'll get you out right now. Paper's right here. You can walk out with us. And so I'm supposed what the fuck are you talking about? They said, stop playing. We know who you are. 
You was there, you know, when Biggie got popped. We saw you from the surveillance camera they have outside. They saw me walk down the pavement and stick my head into a car. And they wanted to know who was in that car. Wow. I said, man, I don't know what the fuck you talking about. And I hollered for the guards. And the wow. guards came and got me. And I got out in 2000, what, 13, 12, 13. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, so the you know, big question is, who is in the car? We, well, you know, yeah, that's a that's a big question, isn't it? It's a big question. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> I want to know who is in the car. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, and and then then from there, you know, I want to do my time. Come home. I'm in jail in 2009. I do a deal with a guy called Neil Levine from in prison. <laughs> he didn't even know I was there. Uh, wait, let me tell this story for a second. Oh, then. boy. So um, so I met you when I was at Capitol, right? So that's right, when I right. met you. And we had a discussion and you had one artist that, that, you know, that I liked. And then I went over to Sony. I forget how I met you, but did not know that you were away in jail. No idea. So I go over to Sony. Uh, and we ended up doing a deal for this artist, DC Don Juan. And, um, and still, we were in business for quite a while. Like, we were right. doing regular conference calls. Yeah. Like, like, I could always reach you whenever I wanted to reach you. And no idea. Then maybe six months, a year later, someone from my staff said, you know, we think Reg is away. It's like, no, we can't be away. It's like, we're in business. We were in business at least a yeah. year yeah. before I even knew that you were, you know, away, which at that point I knew that you must have been a real G because <laughs> you like were running shit. <laughs> like you were running it. So, um, and, and again, with, with my relationship with, uh, with you over the years, we've actually turned to really good friends, someone I really care about. Um, and the history that you have and that you have in music, you're actually a really good music person. You know, we really didn't get into talking about songs and, and the music, but you have your instincts are great. Uh, you did talk about this being a relationship business, but you know, you were, you know, you're, you're always finding, finding new stuff. So, you know, kind of, Fill us in what you're doing now. I know now you're doing TV, you're doing, you know, documentary, yeah, I, you're doing all types yeah, of things. Yeah, I just, now, you know, um, I still, you know, if I hear something that I like, you know, as far as the music side, I, you know, I take a, you know, I still take an ear. If I really, really like it, I might, you know, I'll take two or three years listening to it and figuring it out. But I've been really, you know, transitioning to TV and film where I built a good relationship with uh, the head of creative and uh, unscripted, where she lets me, you know, do what I want to do over there. I just closed the deal over there with Michael Blackson. Where, where is that? Where is that? At E1. Entertainment E1. One. Okay. Yeah. Over there with Tara and her crew. She has a great crew. Her and Madison. Um, I just closed a deal with Michael Blackson, you know, comedian that, that on Tuesdays, he has titty Tuesdays with 400 views every 
Tuesday. <laughs> you know, Michael Black's a real idiot. Um, but we're doing a a show called It Takes a Village. Now, not too many people know about this, so kind of keep it on the low. But it's called Takes a Village, where it's similar to the flavor of love. But Michael Blackson, you know, him being from Ghana, I think he's from Ghana somewhere. But we're gonna do. We're gonna take the you know the contestants, the females that you know we end up picking that's best for him and taking them back to Ghana so they can see their lifestyle, how they treat their husbands back there. And from there, hopefully, he'll find somebody to fall in love with. Well, I'm doing doing something that, you know, I'm um, playing over there with Netflix with. It's called Music in Mayhem, Los Angeles, because people don't know the history. You know the history of New York music business. You know the history of Detroit. You know the history of even Chicago and, you know, Harlem. But, you know, Los Angeles, you know, in the, in the 30s and 40s, you know, well, up until now, really. but for black music, they used to call this, you know, Central Ave, Little Harlem, because that's where all the black musicians used to come and play and do their thing on Central Ave. And then, you know, the, the big the big people come down there and pick them up, the Louis Armstrongs and those type of artists that hung out on Central, they used to play on Central, end up going to Beverly Hills, play, and then come on, you know, back down to Central Ave after, you know, they finished, whatever. But I'm uh, doing a you know, a series is called Music and Mayhem, where I'm showing how everything's connected, you know, through the streets. You know, um, it's just like if you ever watch Harlem, um, Godfather of Harlem, it shows that in that, that, that the little the little um, artist that was messing with, the, you know, the white chick in it, you know, uh, it, was, it was really, you know, a boy Forrest Whitaker, you know, Bumpy Johnson, who he was playing, that financed it. And so, you know, for, for black music, our music's always been financed through the streets before it gets to the mainstream and to the higher ups. So, you know, it shows like, you know, I have a, um, a little scene in there where in 65, it was the watch ride life soon after that is when, uh, Sam Cook got killed on Figueroa. And, you know, that's part of the mayhem, you know, but the music side, too, because he was hot at the time, too, as a musician. And then we go into different decades. And after we finish all the decades, you know, I'm moving to Music and Mayhem, New York, where some of the top cats that I know as far as real street cats, that gives me the history. It's really going to be their show. When it go, when I move to, you know, Music and Mayhem, I pick the individuals that I want. And, you know, they tell their story on Music and Mayhem, New York. Um, doing Texas, you know, so, you know, I have all my contacts in these different states. So when I get to those states, hey, I'm letting them run with it because I don't know the history of, of music in Mayhem, New York. Neil does, but, you know, it, it's going to be hot because we're not sugarcoating. Everything that you see, you know, like the music in Mayhem, L.A., you know, 99.9 .9 of it is true. You know, through my eyes, from the day I was born, for what I understood, because my character really don't come in until like the seventies. You said I'm saying when I'm old enough to understand. So you know I'm I'm reaching the sixty four, and you know you know the hook is crazy. You know how it's gonna play out. You know what we got coming in. You know the first scene is crazy. Everything gonna be crazy. People's gonna really enjoy it. That's great, Red. So I mean, I, I you know the the inspiring thing is uh, hearing your story is. 
you've kind of kept it moving. You've never, even when you were in lockdown, you were always hustling and always doing stuff and always just yeah. a really good guy and a caring human being. And now to hear you doing film and TV and continuing music. And, and I know you're, you're also, you know, you know, the clubs, you've been trying to get me out in Vegas for a while, seeing what's happening. Yeah, that's the next thing, you know, what people don't understand about Vegas. And I've been watching since I've been, you know, since I've been home, but before I left, you know, I was out here a lot. And everybody comes to Vegas. And what I've been watching over the last, say, about, since I've been home, let's so you say going on eight years, that the music industry is becoming Vegas. That's why you see a whole bunch of artists coming out here for residencies and things like that and they're hanging out so it makes vegas just that much you know to break an artist now these days because these artists are so independent realistically they really don't need the big companies unless they need the machine you see what i'm saying so instead of cutting deals with these labels called uh called machine deals we just need the machine but you could come out here i can take an artist that's really nobody and sit them out here for the whole summer. And by the end of the summer, they'll have five, six million followers and performing it. And everybody that's out there that comes to Vegas to know who they are, but, you know, cause you have to have them performing at each of these day parties. You know, they need, it's so much. It's just overwhelming. You, you're talking about every day between the hours, say 11 until they close the pool area. So you talking about 10 to 15 different pool parties going on at the same time with, you know, between 25 and 5,000 kids at. So you do wow. the math. Wow. You see what I'm saying? And then we're not even going to talk about the, you know, the nightclubs. That's why Victor Dre's doing so well, because he understood that market. And, he, you know, he takes them in there, give them a residency. They perform up there, do good deals with them. Uh, who else? Uh, Drake's been out. He's still here. Um, you know, Carly B was very successful. They paid her too much, but you know, it is what it comes with the territory, but it's a lot. They built a T-Mobile arena down here and you've seen a lot of, you know, A1, you know, A-class artists come out here and perform there. I mean, it's just becoming a music. We do the billboards out here every year. You know, we do Soul Train out here every year. So Vegas, what I see is the place to be. I can take a Neil Levine and put him on the strip to do songs. And at the end of the day, we're going to make some money off Neil Levine. Real simple. Without you spending money. You spend your little cover heads, you get involved with the DJs out here and say, hey, you know, they're performing for free. You see what I'm saying? So you, if you if you stretch the whole summer and you have a song and, you know, it's, it's a half-decent song, you know, that song could turn into a hit record just by playing with the DJs out here. A good friend of mine, like my little brother, Sujit, he owned Scam Artists. Um, at the time when I used to manage Demiza, Damian Young, he worked under Demiza. And that's not my relationship with him. So, you know, he's very useful. You know, I can utilize him in different areas as far as that thing. Because half his DJs are on the strip in Miami and, you know, all across the country. So it depends how you structure everything. You know, you know the right people and put the right people in place, you'll be all right. Great. So in closing this, what would you like to close with? What, you know, 
What bits of wisdom would you like to give these listeners out there, both young and old, because we don't discriminate? Old, stay old. And the young, young, just listen. You see what I'm saying? Because right now, these youngsters, I don't like fault in society, but I fault society. Because, like, a lot of these things that's happening now with these youngsters, you know, these are 80 babies. In the 80s, you know, we had a, a crack epidemic where now you have a four-year-old girl taking care of her two-year-old brother because mom and dad's out there smoking crack. So they had to fend for themselves. When they see these kids nowadays and they acting out, they say they acting out, the only thing that they know in their mind is survival because they learn survival at such a young age. And so it gets a little grainy. But realistically, these kids are smart. These are not dummies. A lot of these kids that's making it in the, in the music business now, you know, they, you know, they're, they're crack babies. They're understanding how to survive because, you know, uh, what happened, you know, in those years. It's all about survival now. And then they picked it up. You know, they, they know how to survive now. They know they can, they don't need the machine. Now they're following, you know, they're following the Nipsey. You know, I remember when Nipsey used to sell their little CDs just out of his car. It's just like selling, like, I always compare music when I got into it, like selling dope. Because, wow, I can make just as much money, you know, pressing up a thousand CDs for a thousand dollars and selling them for ten dollars a piece and make money. So if I'm selling a thousand CDs a week, you do the math. You know, yeah. you're making some serious money. And I'm in front of a liquor store, a market, or wherever I can sling them at. It's just about your hustle. So I, I always encourage kids. You know, I, you know, I mentor a lot of youngsters because, like, it's like when I was in, in uh, prison, you know, a lot of the youngsters, they'll come in with, you know, with time. And when they come in with time, you know, they'll see me. They say, man, why are you so calm? And, you know, things of that nature. I said, you know, this is me. And I knew my way to be able to talk to them. We talk about kids coming into prison at 20 years old with 44 years of life that yeah. don't understand their first time in prison mm-hmm. and how they open up to how I used to get them to open up to me because they knew who I was in the music. I opened them up with music. Once you open up, everything is geared by music. Music is like your best therapy ever. So once you open up with music and then I used to get into them. And that was my way into these youngsters. And that's why my relationships with the youngsters are so tight because I understand them. You got to understand them. You know, if you don't understand them, you know, you're going to fail. You're just looking at them just as the money. These kids have talent. But how do you unlock that talent? There's not enough people that's, that's pushing for the real deal. You know, I see Kim Kardashian doing what she's doing for the prison, Van Jones, and, you know, and to me it's bullshit. You know, it's for their own gratifications or whatever i said because you can't talk about something that you haven't experienced period but you're saying you're using kim kardashian celebrity to get people out of jail it wasn't her that got them out of jail let's talk about the ladies that really did the work the grinding work for the years and they say oh well let's let kim kardashian because she can get to trump and all this old bullshit i don't like that you see what i'm saying because you're not going in really seeing a problem. People don't know, like, I was a Mac rep when I was there. So, you know, I was the, the, the go-between the inmates and the, uh, uh, you know, the, the ward. And I used to see the books. I know how they get out. You see what I'm saying? You know, in California alone, 
you know, every quarter they're spending close to $10 million just on food. Hmm. Right. Let me tell you something. We go to child, they'll put one scoop, like a spoonful of food. And then if they catch you taking food back to your cell or something, you get no light up. You know why? Hmm. Because what they used to do, all the leftover was tons of food left over from child. They'll put it in a big old box and they'll sell it to the pig farms in that area. Wow. I can get it. We can get into wow. it. You see what I'm saying? Wow. So, you know, it, 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 it's a money, it's, it's, it's a money game. Each prisoner in Los Angeles at the bare minimum, when you get sent to prison, okay, each prisoner, they, the, you taxpayers pay $72,000 for each prisoner that's in California. Bam. You do your time, right? You do your time. So, you get out, you got a three-year tail. You're still property of California. And that $72,000, you don't see no parts of that. They give you $200 until you hit the gate. What happens to the rest of the money? Where does that go? Whose pockets are that going into? Because you're still under paper. And you're still under uh, California's jurisdiction. So those are things they need to address. See, they're not, they're not going to tell you taxpayers that. They're not going to tell you that. They want you guys to keep on doing what you need to do instead of really hitting the truth about what's really going on in these prison systems. Wow. Great knowledge. These stories are just amazing to me. So much more of a hustle than my life has been, and my life has been a big hustle. (laughs) It's great, Reg. Thank you. So, yeah, really enjoyed this today. Well, Well, thank you so much, Big Reg. Stay healthy. And let's get through this on the other side. Yeah, coronavirus. 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 Out the way. It's and no we'll joke. We'll all be here and we'll speak soon when we're all clear. Thanks, bud. All right, thanks, fellas. You guys be well. Appreciate right. it. Bye. Right, bye-bye.